understand who your target audience is and go after that, I think you're going to have a lot more success raising capital. Hello and welcome to Pillars of Wealth Creation, where we talk about creating financial success with a special focus on business and real estate. I'm your host, Todd Dexheimer. Now, let's get to it. Hello, welcome back to Pillars of Wealth Creation. I'm your host, Todd Dexheimer. With me, as always, we've got Matt Jones. Matt, how are you doing? I'm doing great. How about you, Todd? Man, I'm doing fantastic. Um, just got back. Well, not just got back. I guess I've been back for a little while, but from a due diligence walk, those are always interesting. Yeah, you do due diligence, and what you're doing is you're trying to look for like the worst things possible, right? You're trying to make a case that this property is not up to snuff. Trying to go, hey, what is wrong? What can we find? You know, so you're digging for the dirt, right? And uh, so usually it's it's fairly like depressing after you do a due diligence walk. You're like, ah, this property sucks. What what do we get ourselves into? And then you look at the numbers and put do all the math. You figure out the construction. You're like, okay, I guess it's not that bad. You know, yeah, we we did say we we're going to spend you know twenty thousand per unit in renovations, and that's what this is. Okay, okay, we're good. You know, chill out. But uh, you know this this one was actually um, was actually one of those where it didn't feel like that, which is good. I actually left and I was like, you know, this property is pretty solid. Of course, there's never it's never perfect, right? There was out there's a few things, but like you know, we we got we got a good thing going here. But even after doing that, I was kind of excited when I left and I went through and did the numbers and I'm like, okay, well, we're still going to hit our budget, right? Even though I thought, ah, oh, this property is great. Uh, maybe we don't have to do as much work. Maybe we can lower our budget. I went through the numbers and I'm like, yeah, yeah, we still are going to hit our budget. So we're, you know, ever, even though it looked good, felt good. Ah, we're still going to, we're still going to be fine. Uh, we're still going to hit these numbers. So. Yeah. I'm sure you've got some great due diligence stories of surprises you found uh, during the walks. Oh my gosh. So, so many fun things that, I mean, just like, geez, like, yeah, yeah. I, we could do like story time one day of, of due diligence um, or just like property walks. Right. I mean, I, I've found all kinds of things uh, is on due diligence walks. I, you know, we, we've walked in and there's uh there's the guns laying around just, you know, just, wide open there's uh the sex toys laying around there's the um you know five thousand but you know boxes like stacked up everywhere there's the uh, you know 50 cats <laughs> it's like there's so many things it's like oh my gosh what you never you're never surprised when you walk into somebody's apartment it's just it's just uh man it never ceases to amaze me that's fair. Yeah, I think about that story of I think it was a place in Florida, uh, apartment complex, and they did an environmental study with ground penetrating radar and found that there was an old uh, graveyard that the developers had just like plowed over and left the bodies mm. underneath the ground, just underneath the mm. courtyard of the apartment. So they had to like exhume the bodies and relocate them and stuff like that when they bought the property. Wow. Yeah, uh, you know, there's it's always a treat, right? Whatever mm -hmm. you find, that maybe that's not a, quite the right word for that. <laughs> maybe not quite a yeah. treat there, but uh, there's always a surprise. Yep, indeed. All right, well, today we're actually not talking about that. Uh, we're talking about how you can still find deals uh, in 2023 and find the capital to be able to make the deals happen. Yeah, 
So deals are sparse. Capital's uh, definitely a little less uh, open. So those those two things are challenging right now. Usually when the capital becomes a little less uh, open, then the deals become plentiful. And when the deals are you know hard to find, then the capital is plentiful. Well, right now we've got this kind of weird time frame where I think everybody's expecting a crash and the crash uh, really hasn't happened. And I'm not quite so sure that it's going to happen. Uh, obviously there's still a story to be told, so we'll see what happens here, but we've seen prices in multifamily go down, depending on your market by anywhere between, you know, 5% up to like 20% in, uh, some of those markets that got a little hotter. I, you know, I, we've talked about it, so I don't want to continue to belabor it, but we've talked about some of the markets I think are, are probably poised for a downturn. Um, and and others that maybe aren't as much. And so when you look and you, if you continue to look at what the quote unquote experts are saying, you know, some of your hot uh, markets that just blew up during uh, or, you know, kind of pandemic time into today, you know, you got your Austin, your Phoenix, your, your Dallas, your, um, your Atlanta, your, you know, Charlotte, those types of markets that really just exploded. Um, probably highest potential for seeing a downturn, but also those are the markets that probably have the highest potential of, of after the downturn, seeing a pretty good uptick too, because they're generally good markets, uh, as long as they can, uh, uh, after they recover, I should say, um, assuming they do go down. So anyways, uh, so we got this weird kind of dynamic, uh, what's, what's happening here that the investors are a little nervous. The economy's in a in a weird spot. We got high inflation. We got interest rates rising. We got everybody's been calling for a recession for you know a year. Um, quite frankly, maybe longer. Um, and so what's what's going to go on? Investors are like, eh, and the market's going, hey, we're fine. We're doing good. Like, you're going to have to buy for close to the price you had to buy for six eight months ago. So you know it's kind of odd. So. That's anyways, that's kind of where we're at with both of those. Yeah, that's fair. And I, I've definitely seen a slowdown of deal flow on my end, but there are yeah. still deals out there. I think uh, you have to often be creative, more creative than before with these deals. So a lot of like loan assumptions. So you can you know carry over some of these low interest from before the rate hikes and then uh, seller financing whenever it's available. Um, you know, so you just have to like look at deals from a different lens versus face value like you have in the past. Yeah, and I'm actually surprised, Matt, you're not seeing a lot more loan assumptions right now. We are mm -hmm. seeing some, but I expected to see a flood of loan assumptions coming up on, on the market because people have these great loans. You know, they're locked in at 3%. Markets saying, hey, 6%. So you're going, hey, you could buy my property, 3% loan, you know. But I also think people are like, hey, but if I sell this property... I got a 3% loan. It's kicking out some pretty good cash flow right now. I got to go buy a property at market at 6%. Do I really want to do that? Or maybe just hold on to this property for a few more years. You know, we'll see where the market's at. And so I think that's what you're getting with a lot of sellers who have good loans right now is that they're like, hey, why would I sell? Like, we're just going to hold on to this thing and, and let it rip. I mean, it's cash flow and it's doing really well. Like, 
why take that why take that money and and risk it on something that is unknown like we've got something that's extremely known so you've got that you've got people that that um you know just uh, like holding their properties for a long time but i i think the market will start to shake out here in 2023 um in and into 2024 but it's going to be a slow definitely a slow year here in 2023 i would be actually watching out for you know there's if there's companies right now that are doing a lot of deals i i, I would be very very cautious um with those companies um there's you know there's probably a, some companies out there that are doing as many deals as they were just six, 12, 24 months ago. And that to me is a big red flag. Like how, how are you underwriting these deals? Are you just doing deals to, because that's what you need to do to get acquisition fees and to kind of keep the lights on that. I would be very nervous about companies that are ripping through deals right now. Yeah, I agree. So how are you finding deals right now? You know, are you still going through broker relationships? Are you direct to seller or, or, or what? Yeah, uh, broker relationships definitely uh, still is our main, our, our main thing. Um, we're looking at a little bit direct to seller. So one of the things we're looking at is is companies that have locked in or loans are expiring right within the next 12 to even 24 months. So so if the loans are expiring, we're looking at hey, what do you have and are you in the market to sell because oh here's what here's what's going on, a lot of them, you know, locked in. So you got you got a lot of different types of loans in the market uh for commercial multifamily. But uh, you know, you've got these loans so you, We've got a lot of loans coming due, okay? So we've got these loans that are agency-type debt that are locked in for longer term, five, seven, 10 years, okay? Most of those loans are going to be fine, even if they're coming due, you know, tomorrow. Uh, they're Mostly they're fine. Even they got to pay a higher interest rate. That sucks, but likely they've built enough equity. Rents have gone up enough. Their NOI has increased enough. I would say- the vast majority of those loans are going to be just fine. No big deal. So then you've got the agency debt, Fannie, Freddie um, type type debt that got floating rate debt. And then you've got the bridge loans. That Those are your construction type loans where they are floating as well. Those are the loans that you know are coming due where you want to go to those owners or have your broker go to those owners and go, hey, what's up? Are you, are you looking to sell? Because what happened in those a lot of times is that the interest rates have gone up to a, a very high rate. They did construction. They didn't pay down any principal. And now they potentially could be in a little bit of trouble uh, or at least in a position where they're like, hey, we have to sell. Like we, if we refinance, why is this deal? But we can sell, maybe they can sell for a profit and that's okay, but they can't, they can't hold and refi and be able to uh, stay in the deal without bringing extra capital. And so they're ready to sell. Um, or it maybe just is not attractive, right? Cash flow goes down and it's just like, you know, this makes way, way more sense to sell. So some of them aren't going to sell at distress. I don't want to make it sound like everybody's going to be 
distressed and selling for big discounts, but they're at a point where they're like, Hey, let's take our profit. Maybe it's not quite as good as they hoped. Maybe it is good as they hope, but let's take our profit and, and take and, and move this property. Uh, and then there's going to be definitely others, Matt, that are going to be distressed and going to say, Hey, we have to sell. We got no other option. We're, we're underwater and we got to offload this property. And so there will be some of that opportunity. I don't think we'll see. Maybe, maybe it's a ton. Maybe it's not. I don't think it's going to be a ton. Yeah. I mean, the people that were over aggressive with their underwriting and, and, and had these bridge loans that were two years and, and uh, they were expecting to refi into a lower rate. And of course, rates are higher now. And, and so it just doesn't pencil out to be able to keep the property. So the, these people, you're right, are going to have to sell. And I, I couldn't say like what exact percentage of it, but it's definitely not going to be a majority uh, by any means of the deals out there. Hard to say because um, you don't know what people underwrote, right? And you don't know exactly how how their deal looks and how much liquidity they have. So that's really hard, obviously, to try to predict that. Um, you know, I think, too, the, the good thing for a lot of these sellers right now or potential sellers is that cap rates have pretty much stayed steady. I mean, we haven't seen a big adjustment in cap rates. If you are selling for a four and a half, you might be selling for a four and three quarter now. If you're selling for a five, maybe you're selling 5.1, 5.2, maybe 5.3. But, you know, it, it's a lot of people are like, oh, cap rates are going to go from, you know, five to six, six and a half. And it's like, we haven't, we just haven't seen that. We, we haven't seen much change in cap rates. So the good thing for, for those people is even though the interest rates went up, you know, their cap rates are pretty close to the same and they just sell. Yep. And Maybe I know their investors don't make any money, but they, you know, hopefully they don't lose money. Yeah. And I know when you're looking for deals, you're also being very thoughtful about the types of deals you're looking for. So you're not looking for C yeah. properties and C neighborhoods right now. Yeah, right now. And, and I've explained this before on the podcast, but but the reason there's there's a couple of reasons, but the main reason why is that we have seen over history, history repeats itself or maybe rhymes, right? Um, we've seen over and over and over again, the C-class properties get clobbered. Um, when you just think of the fundamentals of a recession, who gets who gets hurt the most, Matt? Like a typical recession, who's getting laid off? Who's getting, you know, who doesn't have a job? Yeah, service industry people. Right, service industry. It's usually the lower end of the working spectrum. And so if I look at who's getting laid off, certainly there's some managers that get laid off. Some, But, you know, for the most part, it's going to be kind of your lower end. You know, uh, if you're working in a manufacturing plant, for instance, well, who gets who gets laid off? The floor workers get cut from 40 hours a week down to 30 hours a week. Um, some people get laid off temporarily. The construction industry, same thing. Um, you know, all, all these people that are your typical renters are the ones that are getting laid off. And those, especially when you look at who's getting laid off, who's getting fired, who's getting affected the most, is especially in that C-class um, kind of demographic and to a lesser extent, but also in the B-class demographic. 
right? So we are looking at you know, more B plus into the A category where those workers for the most part aren't getting laid off. And they're, they also have more liquid capital to be able to spend, to be able to weather type that type of storm. Uh, they care more, quite frankly, about their credit and about kind of how um, how they pay their obligations because they're looking to likely buy a house in the future. Um, so not, again, this is generalizing, but they, they typically care more. Like C-class resident who's never, ever going to own a house, a lot of times they bounce around apartment to apartment. A lot of these apartment owners don't do good background checks. And so they don't care if they get evicted. They don't care if they don't pay their rent on time. It just it, it just, it is how it is. If you disagree with me, go own a bunch of C-class buildings and then decide if I'm right or wrong. And, and I'm right. <laughs> so <laughs> I've, I've owned both. I've owned all, all the whole spectrum and uh, A-class and, 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 you know, B, B plus A minus A-class will hold up better in a recession. Guaranteed. Guaranteed. Okay. All right. Uh, so the broker relationships that you mentioned. If uh, you don't have broker relationships right now, this is a great time to build those relationships. And if you do, then you know keep those going. And then you already have a reputation with uh, many of these brokers as somebody who can close. So that helps you get some you know pocket listings that other people aren't seeing as well. And yeah. uh, you know, for our listeners out there, if you don't have that, then work you know partner with somebody who is uh, ha already has that kind of connection. Yeah, partner with somebody or or just build that trust, right? Um, so it takes time. Trust takes time. And so what are you doing today to build that trust? You know, have you taken that broker out to lunch? Did you show up to their office with a, a bottle of champagne to celebrate the the closing that you'll do in the future? Uh, that's my, my friend Vic, who we've had, Vic Raya, who we've had on the show. You know, that's one of his favorite things to do. He buys a, a nice bottle of Don uh, and uh, goes to the broker's office and says, you know, Here's this bottle of champagne to celebrate our future deal together. Mm. What a cool way to get a conversation going, right? And so what are you doing in order to get in front of the brokers? What are you doing in order to stay on the broker's minds? You know, one of the things I like to say to people is, look, uh, connect with them on social media, connect with them on LinkedIn or Facebook, wherever they're, wherever they're doing business and comment on their posts, uh, Tag them in posts. If you see something, let's say you're buying something in uh, Cleveland, Ohio, right? That's that's your target market. And this broker is connected with you and you see this great article about Cleveland and why it's this amazing city. Well, then tag that broker, right, in that post uh, or send it to them in an instant message or uh, email it to them, whatever you want to do. But that's the type of stuff that you need to do you know, one, one of the brokers that we do business with loves taking pictures and it takes amazing pictures, right? So what do we do? When he posts a picture online and, and they're amazing pictures, so it's, I'm not lying. I'm giving them a thumbs up and I'm telling them how amazing his picture is. But that's that little communication that's like, he cares about that. So I guarantee he cares that I'm making comments on it. He likes that I'm making comments on it. It doesn't mean I'm the guy that's going to get the deal, but it helps build a little bit, a little bit more rapport and a little bit more trust just because he's seeing me, he's hearing from me. He knows that I care. And I do like, you have to genuinely care too. If you don't, 
genuinely put real effort into it, then who it's it's not going to work, right? If it's if it's all just a face and a facade, like it's not still not going to work. But yeah, just so you're constantly um, getting to know them, figuring out, you know, do, do they have kids? Do they like to golf? Do they like to fish? Like what what do they do? They they, they go mountain biking, what whatever it is. And if you have any of the same hobbies as them, again. If you, if they love to golf, but you hate golf, you probably shouldn't go taking a golfing because you're not going to have an uh, enjoyable time. But if you do like golf or if you do like to fish or whatever it might be, what a great opportunity to get to know them a little bit better. And is there anything else you're doing right now to be able to still find deals? No, I mean, a couple of things I've talked about, right? Um I think for us, it's, you know, the underwriting is tough right now. And so just continue to pound through every deal that you see in the market. And we're also kind of keeping our eye on markets. And so we're looking at a lot of these markets that rose really quickly and are likely, in my opinion, the highest likelihood of seeing some downfall and potential for some foreclosures or some some receiverships or some opportunities. And so we're kind of just monitoring those markets. We underwrite a deal here and there. We're communicating with some of the brokers in the market. And we're just kind of saying, hey, what's happening here? Because like I said, like if a Phoenix, for instance, if that does crash, um, it's a good market long-term. And so if we can buy a property at a big discount, we believe in that market long-term, even though, you know, somebody that buys today might end up being the one that, you know, gets in receivership. Um, if we can buy it out of receivership or buy out of a desperate situation, we can get into a market that has long-term future growth. So we're looking at markets like, like those um, and just kind of trying to keep an eye on the market while still focusing mainly on our markets that we believe in. And the markets we believe in are just slow, steady growth. Mm -hmm. That's that's what we like the best is slow, steady growth, continued um, movement in the market, but not this like huge up, huge down type of market. Yeah, the more predictable you can make it, the better. Yeah, I mean, look, I get the the up, the high up, high down markets because they do extremely well in good times and people make amazing money and you know, uh, investors can grow their portfolios very quickly in those markets, but they can also lose them even quicker um, than they grew them. So, you know, unfortunately that's going to happen to some probably uh, here, but you know, it's how it is. So when it comes to finding capital, like once you find a deal, get it under contract, you know, you're doing the due diligence, but now you got to find some capital to be able to get this deal yeah. done. Yeah. Um, well, man, uh, so capital is hard, harder all around the board. And I'm not just talking about private capital. So, you know, just getting a mortgage, for instance, it's just just more difficult. Uh, there's less options out there. The bridge lenders uh, have gone away. Not, not that they're completely gone, but they're not as they're not as open right now to doing loans. And so it's harder to get a loan from a bridge lender. Um, and so, so that, you know, Avenue has that spigot is, you know, from completely like the fire hydrant was wide open to now, you know, 
the the cap got put back on and there's there's just a drip going uh that's that's the bridge market uh fanny freddie are still lending but you know they're tight and they're paying a lot of attention to what they're doing uh, more i would say than you know six eight months ago uh and so you're not going to get quite as high of loan proceeds and so your loan's going to look different uh which puts stress on investor returns of course i mean we're looking at a deal here where you know, if we would have bought this deal uh, six months ago, we would have been able to get um, do like 25% down. And now we're going to be probably putting about 35% down, 33 to 35% down uh, because the market's just changed and where they're at. So uh, so it's just, just a little harder to get that debt. And then the equity is a little more challenging too. Uh, you know, investors are just kind of like, hey, I'm not sure what's going on here with the market. So they're holding back a little bit. And it's we can still raise capital. Um, so I, I don't want to make it sound like it's gone away, but it it is a little more challenging. So if before you you were gonna raise a million dollars, for instance, and you, you know that was your kind of max you could raise, I would, I would say, hey, maybe count on only raising like seven, $800,000 if your max was a million prior. So, you know, for us, that's kind of what we look at or how we're analyzing our deals is, hey, you know, before we could raise 15 million, you know, now maybe it's only, you know, 10, 12 million. So, um, you know, we, we want to look at deals within that or we want to make sure we have the capital, um, you know, ready to come into the, the asset. So uh, private equity too, there's private equity and family offices. They almost completely shut off for a little while. Now they're back into the market, but again, a lot, a lot more hesitant, a lot more difficult to get family office and private equity into your deals. Uh, deals aren't quite as, uh, I guess, for family office and private equity, you were able to work a little bit better terms when the market was really hot. Uh, now that it's kind of cold, um, they're not willing to work with you quite as much and give you the benefit of the doubt. So, yeah, a little, so what do you, little, little bit more challenging. What do you have to do to make it happen with, uh, you know, raising capital from private to, um, to equity investors? Yeah, so so I'll talk about what I raise because we don't use family offices and private mm -hmm. equity firms. Um, so just from friends, family, acquaintances, you know, that, that type of group. I mean, I, I think it's the same as, as before, just on steroids, right? You just got to do more. You got to do better communication. You've got to continue to educate and, and better education. You've got to be open and, and honest with them about what's going on in the market. You've got to point out the, the negatives and the opportunities. Uh, I, so I think it's about being open and, and honest and just continue to push. Um, even even more than ever before. Uh, there, the good thing is here's here's the deal. Education is the biggest one, right? It's about allowing them to see and understand the opportunities in real estate. Look, if you're in the stock market and that's all you do, you know the volatility of the stock market. You know where the stock market is right now, where it's been. Where like, dude, there's just no predicting what's going on. It's an emotional roller coaster. You know, like, look, you wake up in the morning and all of a sudden the stock market is down by 500, you know, that's like 
dude, why, why, why did we lose 3% of value just overnight? Because somebody woke up and with, honestly, like they woke up with a headache and they're like, ah, the market's just bad today. You know, they, they drank too much last night. They got a hangover and all of a sudden they decide that the market's bad. That's what it feels like when you're in the stock market. And then all of a sudden the sun comes out and they're like, Hey, you know, you know, they, they went on a nice, nice date with a gal and they're like, Hey, you know, market's doing really well. Let's, let's bring this thing up. You know, it's, it's now it's up 4%. It's like, what? Like, this makes no sense. So, you know, look, you're in the stocks. It's a roller coaster ride. Not saying people shouldn't be in stocks because I have stocks and, you know, that's part of my portfolio, but you just understand that real estate doesn't have that volatility. Real estate has proven returns. It's safe, uh, safer investment uh, than stocks, way less volatility, and it's got better returns. So like, look, why wouldn't you invest in real estate? And you don't have to do it alone. You know, that's the, that's the old, old way of thinking. And I think that's the most, the, the biggest thing you need to make sure people understand is like, look, you don't have to go buy a duplex. It's not about buying a duplex or a single family house. That's what most people think. That's what the vast majority of the population thinks they have to go do. No, that it's not what you have to do. You have to find a good operator right? A good trustworthy operator that has a good property and a good market and who's going to do right by you. And that's where you're going to, you know, do well, make some good money and, uh, you know, protect, protect your investment. So I think it's about making sure that everybody you communicate with that, you know, understands that's, that's what you do and, uh, understands, what's going on in the market, understands why real estate is a valuable tool uh, and just continue to pound that. So I, I think anybody can raise the money today. It's just more work. That's all. Well, you've got me sold. I think I'll start investing more in real estate. You should, Matt. You yeah. should put all, all your money, sell everything, including the house you live in uh, and invest in real estate. It's funny. Somebody made a post uh, about that with Warren Buffett and they said, uh, you know, Warren Buffett bought his house for X amount of money and whatever. So let's call it three, $3,000. Now, now it's worth, you know, $300,000. And think of what he, think if he didn't live in that house and he took that money, invested it in Berkshire Hathaway, what he'd be worth today. And this is why, that's why I don't like real estate. And I'm going, well, first of all, it's not, it's not your investment. You, you know, it's like, that's your own house that you live in. Second of all, you can't discount the house you live in. Like that's the house you live in. Like that's where you raised your kids. That's where you did everything. Like that's the place you live. That's not, again, it's not an investment. That's, that's, that's the place you live. <laughs> like That's it. So uh, yeah, don't sell your house and, and all your belongings just to invest in real estate. But no, I think it's a smart thing to do. In, in my opinion, obviously I'm, I'm biased because uh, this is what I do, but, um, but it's about communicating with people, opening their eyes up to it. And, and understanding who your target audience is too. I think a lot of people, uh, myself included, like have a hard time really truly understanding what their target audience is and who to go after. Um, and so once you can really dial that deep, like truly understand who your target audience is and go after that, I think you're going to have a lot more success raising capital, a lot more success. And and make sure it's somebody... you. Know, it's the, oh, let me go for the doctor. Are you sure? How can you communicate with the doctor? How are doctors going to trust you? Is it because you go to the doctor and get your annual checkup? Or like, what do you do? 
or are, were you a doctor or are you a nurse or whatever? You know, if you're in the industry, man, that's easy, right? Again, I'll mention Vic, Vic Raya. You know, he's been on the podcast a couple of times. He's, he was a doctor, right? Work. So like that for him is easy. Like he can raise from doctors because he was one, but for me, like I go to the doctor once every couple of years at the most. Like I skip half my annual or my, my checkups, right? Why am I going to go for doctors? Not that a doctor can't invest with me, but that's not my target audience. Right. So you got to figure out who's your target audience. Who can you speak to the best and go after that. And a lot of times it's the career you used to be in. Uh, for me, it's not my career. I used to be in cause I was a teacher. Uh, so that's not my target audience, but you know, you've got to figure out what the best type of person is who can you who can you speak to the most yep and never give up i mean it's it's going to be hard but that just means that not everybody's going to will, willing to do the work to make it happen yep absolutely absolutely yeah um raising capital was was fairly easy but now i think it's definitely going to be more challenging and if real estate truly does go through a a downturn a real downturn i wouldn't call this you know even five to 20 percent depending on your market i wouldn't call that a real big downturn if real estate goes through a big downturn where we see a lot of properties a lot of a lot of uh people losing property stuff like that then it's going to become really difficult to raise capital um for a time being there so yeah you just got to keep on pounding sounds good cool all right man um well, i don't have anything else how about you nope okay well matt you have a fantastic rest of the day. Make every day Saturday. Thank you. You too. Hey, thanks so much for listening. I appreciate you being a loyal listener. Say, I would love to have you go on to our Facebook page and subscribe. Uh, give us a thumbs up. Go on to iTunes or wherever you listen and give us a rating and review. Don't forget to subscribe. Your rating and review just helps us push this out to more and more people and continue to grow our audience and hopefully positively affect a ton of people out there that really need this and, and want this. So uh, the other thing I've got for you is a free ebook on my website. So go on to VentureDProperties.com, VentureDProperties.com and download our free ebook on real estate and on syndication. And I've got some data points in there, some really good stuff for you. So I'd love to have you take a look at that. It's free. I'm not expecting anything from it. Uh, and also look, if you want some help in multifamily, want some help learning, growing, getting your business off the ground, I would love to talk to you about what it would look like uh, to work with me potentially and see if that's a good fit. So you can go up to coachwithdex.com and check that out and uh, we can definitely have a, uh, a call. Thanks a lot for listening. You make it a fantastic rest of the day. I'll catch you on the next episode.